minutes, 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds, guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9, ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, all engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff, 32 minutes past the hour. as Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. Grant Cameron here today. I want to talk about a subject I think is extremely important and that is the question of who are we dealing with when it comes to the UFO phenomena. It's, I would assume, a, uh, the thought of most researchers that we are dealing with extraterrestrials. I used to believe that myself. Um, today, maybe a two-part series uh, where I look at all the different factors, and I think if you listen to the end all the way through, you'll come to understand that this subject may be a little more complex than extraterrestrial biological entities like us that just happen to come from another planet. Jacques Vallée was one of the first to um, go down this um, idea that they may not be extraterrestrial. He writes in his book, Dimensions, which is copyrighted 1988. He says, I do not think they are extraterrestrial in the ordinary sense of the term. In my view, they represent an exciting challenge to our concept of reality. He says further, if these objects have been seen from time immemorial, as I will show, and if the occupants have always performed similar actions along similar lines of behavior, then it is not reasonable to assume they are simply extraterrestrial visitors. They be, must be something more. Perhaps they have always been here on Earth with us. And that, I think, is where we're starting to head, this idea that there may not be time and space, there may be just one thing and it's all here and now. And I actually had an encounter with what are called the beings in Great Britain who were being channeled by a woman and a second woman was getting messages from them and I got a request to interview them. They wanted to be interviewed and so of course my first question was to them, are you actually extraterrestrials? And their answer went along Jacques Vallée's idea that they perhaps have always been here on earth with us. The uh, beings through this channeler said, would you like us to be extraterrestrials? We could do that if you want. In fact, we could actually take you to our planet. But no, we're not extraterrestrials. We've always been here. You're the visitor. Now, Jacques Vallée also says, my own conjecture which deviates considerably from the accepted dogma among UFO believers, and I would agree with that. Most believers, uh, 
UFO people still believe this is going to be extraterrestrial, is that we are dealing with a yet unrecognized level of consciousness, independent from man, but closely linked to the earth, which has its own relationship to cosmic forces. The phenomenon is going to be a lot more complex. So let me start the debate, extraterrestrial or maybe not, with some research I've done back in years gone by. I'm a big fan. People know of Dr. Michael Newton. To explain who Dr. Michael Newton was, Dr. Michael Newton regressed 7,000 people. And he became famous for what is known as life between lives. So he would regress the person back to their last life. He would let them die in that life. And then he would follow them through the tunnel into the spirit world. And according to Newton, and he's written two books. One was called Journey of Souls. One I'm going to read in a minute here from Destiny of Souls. Uh, basically talk about the, these, this, um, what he discovered. And he says... All 7,000 people basically tell the same story about what happens in the spirit world. Now, that gives you a basic idea of who he was. Now, one of the more important cases that he did has to do with this idea of what are we really dealing with when we're dealing with extraterrestrials. There's always been a um, sort of a debate in the Christian community and um, in general, this idea, I mean, is there good and evil? Is there God and the devil? And in one of the cases, which I'm going to I'm going to read the whole thing just so we've got it in context from Michael Newton, from page 80 of Destiny of Souls. This is a case where he has a guy who was a uh, preacher in his past lifetime, and so Michael Newton lets him die in that lifetime, and he takes him into the spirit world. And then what happens is close, I believe, closely related to the questions we have to ask about the extraterrestrials and the descriptions people give of extraterrestrials and the experiences they give of extraterrestrials. Here's the case. This guy comes up against the devil in his his um, regression. So Newton regresses him, takes him back, takes him to uh, his death in the past lifetime and takes him into the spirit world and that's where it begins. So Dr. Newton, Michael Newton says, you say that although things are not too clear, you are floating in bright light and that someone is coming towards you. The guy replies, yes, I am kind of disoriented. I haven't got used to things around here yet. So Newton says to him, that's fine. Just take your time and let the figure float towards you as you float towards it. And then the man says, there's a long pause, according to Newton, and then in a horrified explanation, the man says, Oh, God, no! Newton says, What's going on? And the subject says, Oh, oh, Lord Almighty, it's the devil. I knew it. I've gone to hell. So Newton grabs him by the shoulders. And he says, now take a deep breath and try to relax as we go through this together. Then softly, he says to him, you are not in hell. The man cuts in with a shrill tone in his voice. Oh yeah? Then why do I see the devil standing right in front of me? So Newton says, the subject's face is now covered with sweat. 
and I use a tissue to wipe some of it away while continuing to reassure him. Try to calm yourself, said Newton. There is some misinterpretation here, and we will find it soon. The man paid no attention, and now began to, to moan, rocking back and forth in the chair. Oh, it's all over for me. I am in hell. Newton says, and he breaks in very forcefully, Tell me exactly what you see. The man is whispering, first and then loudly. Uh, a being, demonic, reddish-green face, horns, wide-eyed, fangs. The face of skin is like charred wood. Oh, sweet Jesus, why me of all people who spoke so much in your name? So Newton says to him, what do you see? What else is there to see? Can't you understand? I'm in front of the devil. So Newton says, quickly, I mean the rest of the body. Look below the head and tell me what you see. The man is shuddering violently. Nothing! It's just a wispy, ghost-like body. Newton says, stay with me. Doesn't, this is the important part. Newton says, stay with me. Doesn't this seem unusual to you? That the devil would appear with no body? Move forward rapidly in time and tell me what this figure does. So the su subject jerks violently upwards. And then with a great sigh of relief, he sags back into his chair. Oh, that bastard. I might have known. It's Scallion. And he's taking his mask off. And he's smiling wickedly at me. Newton says, now I can relax. Who is Scallion? My guide. This is his cruel idea of a joke. And so Newton says, What does Scallion really look like? Tall, aquiline features, gray hair, full of mischief-making, as usual. And then the man laughs. But he's still not fully recovered. I should have known. He caught me unawares this time. So Newton says, Does Scallion make a habit of doing this sort of thing? Why frighten you as you were coming into the spirit world a little disoriented? And then the man's defensive. Listen, he's a great teacher. That is his way. He has got the whole group using masks, but he knows I don't like them much. Tell me why Scallion would wear a devil's mask to scare you right after this life. Talk to him now. There's a long silence, and Newton waits for the subject to mentally connect with Scallion. After a long period of silence, the man says, I had it coming. Oh, I know it. I spent a lifetime of preaching about the devil, scaring good people, telling them they were going to go to hell if they didn't pay attention to me. Scallion has given me a taste of my own medicine. And that's basically the first part of this story. So basically, what we have is a man who believes that he's actually seen the devil. Turns out it's his spirit guide because he was a fire and brimstone preacher in the last lifetime. And his spirit guide wanted to teach him what it was like to sit in his congregation and hear about the devil. And the key part is, 
if something you see doesn't make sense, you have to stop and question, what are we really looking at? And that's where we come to the descriptions of the supposed extraterrestrials. Let's begin by looking at some of the descriptions of extraterrestrials. I've always made it a pattern that when I talk to people who are experiencers and have been on board the ship to ask questions that are a little bit different than other people's. Most people will want to ask the question, were you scared? Did they probe you? Did it hurt? Were you angry? Do you feel offended? Go to the fear of the whole thing. When I get an experiencer, and I've done this almost every time, I would ask questions like, let me ask you a question. You saw, you saw this being? Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Do you have any clothes on? And a lot of people will say, hang on, no, I don't think so. I never thought about it. And I said, doesn't it make kind of weird that ghosts have clothes, but aliens are walking around with no clothes on? And then some people will describe that they've got a suit on, but they're all wearing the same suit. And it's so thin, it looks like they're, it's actually sprayed onto them. And it's the same color as their skin. And you can't tell where the suit begins and the body starts. And this is like the devil thing. This doesn't make any sense, that aliens don't wear any clothes. The other thing that I ask them when I go through that, then I say, well, then tell me this. Had no clothes. Did have sex organs. And the people will go, no, I don't think so. I have never, ever had anybody who said the extraterrestrial biological entity had sex organs. They, ha they have the stories that they're raping the women and they're into uh, sex and breeding and all this kind of stuff, but never is there any description of sex organs. And then I say to the people, doesn't that make, is that kind of weird? Is this being, if it's an extraterrestrial biological entity, it would have to reproduce itself, that it would not have, that it would have no sex organs? And people will say, no, they didn't have any sex organs. If you go back to the alien autopsy, people will claim that this was a hoaxed video. And the story that I heard, which makes most sense to me, is that they reproduced this thing, but it was reproduced from a number of frames of actual uh, footage. And if you remember back, Kit Green, in the alien autopsy document that was written for Bob Bigelow that I put onto the internet, had said that he believed the it was a legitimate film. Now later he backed off and said, no, I think they tried the CIA tried to fool him and that he really didn't think it was it was real. But if you take a look at that being, go back and look at the Alien Autopsy 1995 film, you will see that that being is anatomically correct according to the descriptions that most people give. Now if the guy was going to have an extraterrestrial biological entity that's uh, like us, uh, first of all, you'd have sex organs. That being, if you take a look at the thing, does not have sex organs. Uh, it would have a belly button. If it's uh, being born, it's going to have a belly button. If you take a look at the alien autopsy, it has no belly button. It has no nipples. And so you see this thing that doesn't seem to be biological. It seems to be missing some key components that would 
fitted into being a biological being. Now there's all sorts of other things. In fact, everything. When you start looking at everything about a being, about the descriptions of beings, you see that nothing makes sense. It's almost like this wispy body that the devil has. And you have to wonder, go ahead in time and tell me, who is this really? What is what is this? I went back and looked at David Jacobs, his book called Secret Life. Now, I don't agree with J David Jacobs on a lot of his interpretation about what the aliens are doing. But he does go into a whole chapter on what the beings look like. And he goes through this problem with people's descriptions of beings, that it doesn't make any sense. For example, he states that there's no indication from any of the experiences that he's worked with that the, that the beings breathe. Now, the, the evidence he shows is that when the beings do what he calls the mind scan, they look into the people's, the people's eyes and they come with like within one inch of their eyes. So they're face to face, almost in a position where they could, they could basically kiss the person. They're that close. And yet nobody has any indication of any breath that the, the being is breathing. Nobody has any indication of the chest moving up and down. There's no description of the, of the chest moving up and down. So if the being is not breathing, what is it really? What are we really looking at here? Because that makes no sense whatsoever. It's all telepathy. Beings don't have any ears. So if they're biological beings, you would assume that they would have ears. They don't have any ears. They don't have mouths. They have a slit that people will describe. No teeth, no tongue. They have this slit, but there's no indication of the, the mouth ever moving in terms of forming words. They don't have any words. It's all telepathy, which makes you wonder, how does this work? How, do, how, can, how can the being make this communication? And people say, well, evolutionary lost its mouth, which, which is a left brain stretch in trying to, to explain this thing. The other thing is, this idea that the people don't really see any indication of sound, that they use sound the same as us. They have no nose, which again looks like they're, they're not really breathing. They don't have the nose that is required to breathe. As he puts it to quote David Jacobs, they do not use atmosphere as we do. So again, what are we really looking at here? They have no eyelids. We have eyelids that will sort of clean the eye and keep stuff out of the eyes. They don't have any eyelids, which would tend to indicate that there's something strange going on there as well. They have these huge eyes. And then you get to the, the real critical things that no experiencers will describe ever seeing a being eating anything. So if they don't eat, are they actually biological entities or are they something else? They don't drink. Nobody's ever seen aliens drink. Nobody's ever seen water on a on a, a UFO except for the fluid that sometimes they put people in these fluids. I expect if it's an operation type thing that they're doing an experiment or something or they're doing a test, they will use fluids. But water is never seen on a ship. Nobody's ever seen an alien sleep. And they actually will ask people, people will actually ask whether they sleep. And then they will get comments back like, we sleep, we're sleeping all the time. And a lot of the questions they will avoid, especially when it comes to where did you come from? Where are you from? And the people will say, the beings will say, you wouldn't understand. So if they're 
biological extraterrestrial beings from another planet, what's so hard to understand? You're from a planet, but they won't say that. Or they'll say we're from very far away, or we're from here, you wouldn't understand. And that is a question that a lot of experiencers will talk about that they avoid, like the plague. I think they asked Betty Hill. They said, here's a map. Do you know where you're on the map? No. Well, then how can we explain where we are on the map if you don't know where you are on the map? And they'll play this little game about where they actually come from. Beings have no buttocks. They have no waste system. Nobody ever sees them going to the bathroom or any sort of indication that they they have uh, bodily f uh, waste fluids. And again, you start to question, what are we really talking? Is this a biological entity if it's missing all the key components that make it a biological entity? They go through walls. So people will say, oh, they go through walls. They've learned something. But this is a, a critical point that they can, with their clothes, they can go through the wall, which tends to indicate maybe they found some way to go through walls, but it also may indicate that it's not the physical being that you actually think it is. They have the thin legs. If you take a look, people will describe they have thin legs and people will say it's, they're like sticks and they don't have any sort of calves or or, or muscle in the leg, it's just like a, like a stick and people wonder how can they stand up on these sort of stick legs. They don't have any clavicles, they don't have any uh, um, veins, nobody ever sees any veins and you gotta start to wonder what is this really? Is this really a biological or is it a projection? Is it something that they're projecting? And you will see this idea of screen imaging. Uh, there's a story told by um, Jim Sparks about the screen imaging. He's the one that sort of years ago came up with this idea of screen imaging. They can appear as whatever they want to appear. And he told the story of this being who is projecting himself as a military person. And Sparks says to him, you're not fooling me at all. You haven't even got the right uniform on. You got the wrong uniform on. That he and and he said as soon as he said that, the uniform changed to exactly what the right uniform was. And this is the idea of the screen imaging that they can appear as whatever they want. They even told Yossi Ronan, when we come into your world, we take on a body. We don't have to take on a body. We just do it to work in your world. We don't need to do it. We can use any body we want. You can do the same thing. You just don't realize it. And so that's a, that's a key component that shows an actual admission that they aren't actually physical beings. I asked and I've interviewed Sherry Wilde a number of times who wrote the book The Forgotten Promise. And I said to her, I said, Sherry, tell me the story about Da being outed as not being an alien. And so she tells the story that she wrote the book, The Forgotten Promise, and she took it to the publisher, and um, Da said he was from Andromeda, and yet he was a Zeta. So the publisher said, he said he's from Andromeda, yeah. Well, he, he can't be, he's a Zeta. And she said, yeah, he's a Zeta. Well, if he's a Zeta, he's from Zeta Reticuli, not from Andromeda. And she said, really? And he said, yeah. Next time he comes, ask him. So she asked him. When next time she saw this alien Da, she said, so what's the deal? Are you actually an alien? And his exact quote was, no, that would not best describe who I actually am. I'm an etheric being on a mission in the galaxy, in the universe, for the Creator. 
And so you even have this, and I've had other experiences where I said, ask them if they're actually an alien, and nobody's ever come back and said that they said, yeah, we are actually an alien. They can reject as, as whatever they want. Mike Clellan tells a story where he's regressed, and he's taken out of his body in an out-of-body state, according to the, what his imp impression was. He's moved into this craft that's up on a hill, and he talks about this thing like it's almost like there was a, a, a gray um, uh, outfit hanging on the wall and that he went into this outfit and then he looked at himself and he was a gray. That he, It was like a suit that he put on this, this suit and he was a small gray the same as, as the other grays, which is the impression that this is a, an impression this is a, this is not exactly what we think it is in terms of of real biological beings which shouldn't change they shouldn't be able to go through walls john mack brings up again this this idea that what we see is basically we have part of this that we have influence on on what we're actually seeing and he 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 made a statement to Bud Hopkins when they were in Boston during one discussion. He said, Bud, you know, it's very strange. He said, you know, I I'm the psychiatrist here. You think I'd be getting all the bad ones. And he said, that's not what's happening. He said, I'm getting all the spiritual seeking ones and you're getting all the bad ones. And maybe that has more to do with you and I and how we operate. And this is a concept that's come up many times. That if you're, but Mac actually discussed it in his one book, the possibility that if you're um, seeing grays, you have unresolved issues or whatever it is. And if you see a reptilian, then you're, you're high energy and this, this kind of thing that you see whatever being you are intended to see. And people say, well, that's absolutely crazy. There is an actual being out there independent of us. And I'd say, well, no, that may be not true, because if you take a look, I've written two books on the group called Mission Rama. Mission Rama is a group that started in 1974, the year before I had my experience. Sixto Paz and his, his brother Charles started this thing where they were brought on to crafts from the moon of uh, Jupiter, which doesn't make any sense uh, that you would have, uh, it would be a little cold there. And um, they were program to do this protocol where they would meditate and they would pray and they would uh, raise their vibration and the beings would lower their vibration and these uh, beings would come. Now there's, uh, according to Sixto Paz, he told me there's probably 25,000 Mission Rama people. They're all Latino. Most of them are Latino, very religious, Roman Catholic. Uh, take this as very uh, religious thing. And when you take a look at the aliens they see, I absolutely say to people, if you think uh, greys are um, a, a common thing that have come to the earth, you look at Mission Rama and I absolutely defy people to show me where uh, anybody in Mishirama has seen a gray or a reptilian or a mantid. Absolutely doesn't happen. Take a look at theirs. They're seeing this very positive. Uh, uh, they have a positive impression of, of aliens that they're, they're our brothers and uh, they live under the mountain, under Mount Shasta, and uh, that they... Um, they look like uh, the swimmer Michael Phelps. They're all muscular. They have long hair. And um, it's a very positive thing. 
So you see these different types of beings. The same as I described that before 1961, before Betty and Barney Hill, or be, actually before that was was uh, Nancy Tremaine, a couple of months before the Hills, uh, saw greys and a human type being who later appeared as a reptilian and now appears to her as an etheric type being, as three different beings, the same guy that has changed over her lifetime. Uh, before uh, the greys appeared in 1961, if you take a look, there's, there's actual... Um, evidence uh, of uh, documented encounters with beings and there are no greys, there are no reptilians, there are no mantids and there's a lot of beings, hundreds of beings, but what you see is beings who are dwarf type beings or in the 1950s they're human type beings uh, wearing suits. Uh, then you have the ones with bubble helmets. Lots and lots in the 40s and 50s of beings who have bubble helmets, uh, glass helmets. And if you look, that's science fiction from the 1930s and 1940s. And it seems to be spinning off into the, into the aliens of the 1950s where they have these bubble helmets. And then suddenly you get the greys in 1961 and suddenly everything is greys. It just flips and all the contactees from the 1950s from Mars and Venus all disappear. And you have these uh, these beings that are uh, these beings without hair, without, um, uh, you know, proper physical structure, um, that are, uh, you know, almost like anorexic, that they, uh, their body structure with no veins and no uh, breathing and no, uh, nothing on their, on the, on the ship that shows anything physical, no uh, couches, no, uh, crystal, crystal chandeliers, nothing, just the basic stuff, uh, which makes you wonder, what are we actually dealing with? It's much more complex than uh, the idea that it's some extraterrestrial that got lost from, from another planet. The last thing uh, I'd like to discuss here is the, the whole idea of um, the, the entities or whatever this intelligence is uh, appearing to us to shatter our perceived reality and what they do uh, Chris Peters who is the stepson of uh, Barbara Streisand is an experiencer and he told me that what he was told by uh, the intelligence that he was dealing with after he had made his encounter this would be about five years ago is that they said that when we come into your world we take a look inside your head and we see what is in there whether it's fear love uh, what your belief systems are and uh, religious and political or whatever and what we do is we take what's in your head and we use that to teach you a lesson we have no other choice so you have these these beings who are um, uh, teaching us based upon our perceived reality and most of our reality is wrong and a lot of the, what they're doing is they're shattering our, our our reality they're showing us these weird things that don't make any sense and when you start to look at them you suddenly realize it's not what you thought it was. It's not. It's, it's. It looks like a physical being. Then it goes through the wall, and then you have to start to wonder what's really going on. It shouldn't be able to go through a wall. How is it able to do this? You can go back even to look at the aliens. So, 1896, when we discovered the canals on Mars, uh, when the ships were these wooden ships were flying around uh, the United States and Europe. 
everybody assumed that they were from Mars. And these were wooden ships with propellers and balloons and huge lights. And this is before batteries were actually uh, commercially done. These huge lights that were shining down on people. And these things were flying around and people actually believed they were from Mars. And so I, you go back to today when we have a better understanding of how uh, what might be out in the universe is how many people would stand up and say, yeah, they believe that these wooden ships actually went through the vacuum of time and space, through from Mars all the way, and made this trip over to Earth, and that these actually were from Mars. Well, nobody would believe that in a million years now. But in 1896, people actually believed that. It went up to 1952 when the first Adamski sighting took place where he encountered beings. And these were, you know, sort of angelic type beings with the long hair, very positive, we're here to stop nuclear weapons and stuff like that. But these were uh, either angelic type beings with robes or they were human type beings who uh, looked just like us. So you see the beings change from Martians and now they're from Mars and they're from Venus. And the ones that the Canadians were dealing with was an, an alien by the name of Alpha who claimed that he was from Uranus and that there was 500 million people on Uranus. Uranus is like 320 degrees below zero. Now we no longer believe that. When Betty and Barney Hill came forward and they had the star map, the star map was translated and people came up with the idea that it came from a binary star system called Zeta Reticuli. And so then suddenly everything was from Zeta Reticuli or the Pleiades or Andromeda and this whole concept that uh, because now we believe in, in other uh, galaxies, we started to expand where we thought these beings were coming from. Because if you go back to 1920, there was actually a big debate between two of the top astronomers in the United States arguing about whether there was more than one galaxy or there was just one galaxy. So these things, as our interpretation of the universe changes, the beings change where they say they're coming from. In 1963, the first uh, reference was made in fiction to the multiverse, multi-dimensions, and then you see it changing from Zeta Reticuli to beings from the fourth dimension, and the fifth dimension, and the sixth dimension, and the ninth dimension, and the twelfth dimension. And what you see is these beings are changing where they're actually coming from. My big question is, what are we really looking at? Are these actual beings? And I maintain that the more you look at the evidence, the more it appears that it is not an extraterrestrial biological entity, a physical being from another planet. It is something that is projecting, it is screen imaging, it is something and it may actually be something that we have an, uh, a part in, that we are seeing what we in, interpret to see or what we think we should be seeing based upon fear, our belief systems and what other people have told us. Uh, even George Knapp talked about the fact that when he was in Russia in the 1990s that the remote viewers there were talking to beings and he said none of them looked like anything that we were dealing with they were completely different so you see the structure of the being depends upon who's actually viewing the being so in conclusion the extraterrestrial biological entity I've moved to the valet position this is very, very complex. This may come down to the whole concept of time and space being not what we think it is, that the ship is bigger on the inside than it is on the outside, 
or people being told on the ship when they're flying the ship, go within yourself. If you want to go to our planet, if you want to go see something, my friend said, I want to see the Milky Way from a distance. They said, Ron, it is within you. Go within yourself. And this is going to take about a second. He said, intense G-force, looked out the window as he imagined this inside himself. And there, looking out the window in a situation where it was more real than the real world, he said, there was the Milky Way. People are told this, which leads to this idea that Jacques Vallée talks about, that it may all be here and now. There may not be any any time and space. It may all be here right now. There is no time and space. It's all one thing here and now. And that's what you see more and more now, that the beings are saying, we've always been here. We're from here. And so are you. And that uh, you look at it, it's like everything else in science. And the example I always use is the cell. If you take a look at the cell 150 years ago, you'd say, well, you know, the cell's just dividing, no big deal. And when you start looking at it, there's a hundred, there's a, a trillion atoms. Every time it forms a second cell, these hundred, these trillion atoms suddenly form and they come in and they get the right three-dimensional spot and they create a, a three billion base pair uh, of DNA, all matches the other one. And in 24 hours, they build another cell. And uh, as as they're building a fetus in a in a in a um, uh, a baby, they're creating cells at the rate of 250,000 a second, and they're creating neurons that are creating uh, synapses, which are making connections at 1.8 billion a second. And you realize this thing, the more you look at it, the more complex it gets, and the more it's not this naive reality. There are aliens, and they're coming here. It gets more complex, more complex, less physical, and more this idea that as... John Wheeler said, who is the guy who came up with black hole, the term black hole, uh, wormhole, it versus bit, information uh, theory, uh, delayed choice experiment, uh, was seen as by some as the intellectual successor to Einstein at Princeton. He said, I can 100% agree that the, um, the um, universe may be a total figment of the imagination. We're now into the whole idea of uh, simulated universe and all this kind of stuff. The world is not going to be as simple as extraterrestrials coming here. I can pretty well assure it's almost like the uh, guy who sees the devil and doesn't see something's wrong with the body. When you see something that doesn't make sense, you got to sit back and seriously question, is this what I'm really seeing or what is this really? That's my thing on ETs. Um, people probably are just going to totally ignore it, and they'll just go back to uh, these are ETs from uh, uh, the the future or the past or uh, this sort of thing. Um, I think it's much more complex. It's uh, I say it's at least a thousand times more complex than people think it is. We basically have no answers. Or as Jim Semivan, who got the UFO briefing, the CIA guy, said. Um, there does not appear to be any there there. And he had the beings in his room. And the the idea that people say that we just have to connect the dots. And he said, here's a guy who actually had the beings. He said, I'm not even sure there's any dots. The idea that we've got this all figured out is nonsense. It gets more complex as we go along. And we basically understand less and less as we go along. So think about that extraterrestrials is it a biological entity is it projection is the is there actually a physical world or is this all projection of consciousness as Deepak Chopra said 
Everything is an activity inside consciousness. And Ray Hernandez, my friend who had the Free Foundation, has come to the same conclusion. Consciousness is primary. As the early quantum physics guy said, consciousness is primary. Nothing gets behind consciousness. And matter, as we understand it, may not exist. These are the early guys that that realized uh, the world is not exactly the flesh and blood uh, time and space world that we see through our perceived reality. Most of the stuff that we perceived hundreds of years ago, the world was flat, the sun went around the earth, there's only one galaxy, everything's solid. All that stuff turned out to be wrong and most of what we're believing now in our perceived reality of what we think exists out there is going to turn out to be wrong as well. Something to think about. Thanks for listening and uh, we'll talk to you soon. That's this week's episode of the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host Grant Cameron hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes. Links to my YouTube interviews, books and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast or learn something valuable, We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening.